But first, let's okay. talk about Paul thinking about well, stuff. Says, let's talk about Paul thinking. <laughs> Corinthians chapter seven, um, which is a long chapter, especially compared to the, uh, the chapters around it. Paul's dealing with uh, a variety of things. Um, so as I read the chapter, uh, I was, you know, okay, what's the underlying reality, you know, thing that Paul's operating on, and I've got a thought about that, but let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. So, Lord, thank you for the blessing of being together and all this before us, and as we continue to share together. Lord, around your incomparable word, just encourage us and encourage all those who are listening. In uh, your wonderful name, amen. So as, as, as we read this, Paul is dealing with a variety of, of relationships, um, mostly, well, well, mostly in the, in the household, except you get that, that, uh, one section where it begins talking about circumcision and uncircumcision and not removing the marks of circumcision, which lets your imagination <laughs> go wild about how a Jew in the first century might remove the marks of circumcision, which means reattaching that little piece of flesh that was cut off when he was eight years old, eight days did, did, you, did you did you save it like did you save it was that like, a, you know, like when your kids lose their first tooth my mom's put it in a little thing like, yeah do I parents have, okay. do, do parents do that i have we just lost we just lost three quarters of our audience let's come right. on that's right yeah which means there's three people left <laughs> yeah so that uh so i i think the underlying theme that the that's I, I paul's not even necessarily conscious of it but is the is is the is the dynamic of, of covenant which is which is the hebrew the jewish contribution really to to the world uh when you do the deep dive into the scripture god uh, we we see God not uh, demanding, commanding, right? He he's 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 not a, he doesn't seem like an imperial potentate that makes imperious demands. That's potentate, not, Kyle. What power? Potentate. You know, power, power guy. Power guy. Right. He but he invites he invites participation. Okay. I was in a play in elementary school called The Late Great Potentate. Oh, <laughs> that's a great title. Happy. Yeah. I think it was about so, one of the wise men. So, so, so covenant. So we're, most of us are familiar with our, our covenant with God. You know, Jeremiah talked about a new covenant. And of course, the Lord's Supper, Jesus makes this, this new covenant. And we usually think of it in that vertical relationship, you know, uh, relationship with God. But it's but it's not merely vertical. It's it, it, it's horizontal, um, and it's the and it's the the framework for human relationships that 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 are critical. So when folks talk about the Christian roots of American democracy, they don't mean so much the like moral quality of America. They mean the, the self limitations 
the the checks and balances of that's folded into the constitution you know so so we have a federal system and the word federal comes from the latin word for covenant okay uh and and so i mean that that was what was so disturbing about the the the, the june 6th assault on the capitol for me personally it was this violation of this agreement that we have that resists force and power in any kind of expression of force or power is categorically anti-covenant and therefore in that broader sense anti-christian so as as paul is is working through these very particular issues i think he has this this covenant framework in mind it, it's it's a word he i don't think he ever uses it in his letter but because he's a you know faithful faithful jewish follower of jesus it has you know shaped his his, his orientation um, and he's speaking to a gentile audience right i mean covenant wouldn't necessarily resonate with them anyway but he's he's talking about the fabric of the community that it that is the new covenant is that right that's right. If, if, if you're in the kingdom of God, you have embraced a, a covenant orientation to, to, you know, to, to relational being. One, one scholar named Daniel Eleazar, uh, he talks about three primary modes of social organization, hierarchical, which was Roman, right? That Caesar on his throne, pointing his finger down. There is organic, and that's Greek. So you think of the aristocracy, uh, where you have um, kind of a central point of, of power, uh, and everyone relates to that central point of power. Uh, organic, uh, a family, uh, uh, the nuclear family is, is an organic structure of power where, where mom and dad you know, have the authority and the kids are by blood are related and they just understand that mom and dad are in charge and you know it goes that way so so if you don't have a hierarchical um uh, system you'll fought you you'll likely fall into an organic system that's where the club right that's where the social club you want to be on the inside circle because that's where all the decisions are being made right and so you kind of try to maneuver into to be with the you know the uh, the popular people in school that's an organic way of organizing everybody knows where the power is and it's with those you know those folks who get invited to all the parties and all of that okay and then there's covenant and a covenant is all about it's kind of like negotiating it's it's making um um, you know, an agreement very intentionally about what's going to constitute that there's the word our way of being together. Okay. And so it's a way of binding, binding a community together while maintaining personal integrity. And that's really important. I don't lose my personal agency in a covenant social community right in a hierarchy i got to do what the king says it doesn't matter what what i want 
okay? That's a violation of covenant, right? You know, the gun to your head or sword at the throat. No, 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 no. I never lose my sense of personal agency. It creates a new reality where there's this, this, this new entity is forged. And that's where we talk about the covenant of marriage, right? Right, rightly understood, the two become one flesh, but in a healthy in a healthy marriage, you know, both the husband and the wife don't lose their um, their sense of agency. Uh, it's an embrace of obligation, right? Because I choose to limit myself on behalf of the other, um, uh, you know, freely for the sake of this broader broader reality that I've freely entered into. And in the biblical sense, it happens with with divine sanction, you know, under God, right? One nation under God. All that's that's covenant. It's ancient covenant language that we've kind of just kind of slipping away uh, in 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 our country. And so, so what Paul is is getting at here is is there are no demands here, right? There you know there are opportunities. There's, there's obligations and, and, and the freedom that comes when, when we bind ourselves intentionally to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to God, but not just to God, but to one another as well. Is, is that why, because that was one of the things that stuck out to me when I read through this, was it just seemed like, uh, I, I felt as if Paul, I was watching Paul like verbally process this or like verbally discern what should happen he would say things like hey i give this charge and then he puts like not i not the lord like i i do this or he says he will say like i think you should do these things or right like and i I, that really, yeah that really struck me it's just like oh okay so these are these are specific these are specific acts in this this specific local community that he is saying to do which kind of flows from the previous chapter of like, hey, the church should be discerning what what is going on at this level. But I, yeah, I just thought that was that. Yeah, these aren't just like, hey, do this, and necessarily like, and all churches do this forever. He's like, yeah, I think I think you guys should do this. I'm gonna give this charge here in this situation, knowing the context, and that's that's not a yeah. I just that's not a way that I normally read the Bible is is looking at you know taking it and then going, well, how do I now how do I put this in my context? Because I feel like that's the that's where it gets really tricky, and and you you go like, well, am I going beyond scripture? Am I am I not am I am I not taking it literally? Like, how do you know? That's that's where. So that seems like one of those passages that would, could be really tricky. Yeah, that and that's where spirit-filled wisdom, right? That second quality of the church that we see in chapter two, is is absolutely critical. Hmm. And so, I mean, and and one of the unfortunates and and folks who've been. With, uh, with me for a while knows this is one of my pet peeves is is throughout the bible you you have the word shema translated as obey in the old testament and that's a hierarchical word it's not a covenant word and 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 and, and so we get this sense of god god as the potentate you know as the king on the throne throwing demands commands out to his community and it's obey or else that's hierarchical 
in the King James translation, oftentimes they'll translate obey sometimes in certain contexts. But usually the, uh, the word they use is hearken. Hearken to the Lord. Hearken to my voice. It's not obey my voice. It's hearken to, to, uh, to my voice. It's hear my voice and respond faithfully in the context of this covenant re relationship that you've agreed to enter into Exodus 19 when I brought you the 10 words, you see? So it's not a, it's not a command. It's, a, it's, it's, it's responsiveness to this covenant relationship where God never violates our sense of agency but invites us to participate with him in this new reality where, uh, uh, where he's a living player. And of course, you know, we are, we are partners with him in that. Okay. Isn't that in the Jewish tradition, the, isn't the Shema, the prayer here, O Israel, the Lord, yeah. our God, the Lord is one. Yeah. Shema here that, and it's, it's called here because that's the first word in that in Deuteronomy 6, 4 here, O Israel. And it was, and it was really frustrating when everywhere, every, most of other, other places that you see that word, it'd be obey. Hmm. It, it, so it'd be like, it'd be jarring if you read six, De De Deuteronomy 6, 4. And if they were consistent in translation, it would say, uh, obey, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord. But it, but it is more than here. It's hear and respond, right? It's, it's an invitation to participate, which I mean, I feel like Paul's really getting at especially last week and, and again this week, right? That it's more than <coughs> mental ascent. You're, you're going to pour into this with your whole life. So it's that same idea, right? Of a, in, an integrated response. That's right. And, and so, and when you have the word righteousness, uh, the, uh, the idea of being righteous, <clears throat> being faithful to this covenant relationship that God has invited you into that you freely embrace, right? And, and so to be righteous is not to attend to some kind of moral standard, external moral standard. No, it's, it's absolutely shaped by this, this covenant relationship. You know, the, the Lord asks something of me and I hear him and I regard him and I act faithfully in response. Versus, you got to do this or else. Can we go back real quick to the the link between covenant and federal or federalism? Yeah, you're saying that covenant is more about the the limitation of our rights than it is the guarantee of our rights, where it's it's we don't infringe upon one another or we we respect one another. Yeah. So it's not me to me. Ending my rights, it's me recognizing that my rights operate only in the context of your rights. Is that, is that? Yeah, that's right. Tracking? Yeah, I limit my power to make space for you. Limited government. Limited government. Which is limited self-government also. Limited self-government, that's right. And so, and so in a covenant community, obligation is a higher value than rights. See, it's, it's not what I want. It's what does this relationship need? 
So I'm going to bring not what I want into the relationship. I'm going to come with a real sensitivity to what this to, to what the others I'm in I'm in covenant relationship with, what they need. What can I bring to strengthen this? Uh, you know this this reality, this relationship. How how does this? Uh, I'm trying to like think of how to apply this to God's covenant with Israel in the Old Testament and like the new covenant that Jesus has with us. But like thinking about if if this if one of these markers that we're saying that covenant is defined by a limiting of power and then doing things that the others need, um, is it right to say or is it? Yeah, it feels weird for me to, to think that like what well, to say this but it sounds like maybe this is true that god you know israel turns his back israel turns their back on god and they should be they should be wiped out they should be destroyed and god doesn't do what he could do by wiping them out and he instead decides to continue to be faithful to them or continue to allow them to continue um and that seems like a limiting of, well, I don't know, I, it's weird to say limiting of power from God, right? But but like he didn't act on a thing that he totally could have and been in the right to act upon. But he did, it, he made a decision based on what the others needed, which was forgiveness and faithfulness and grace. You're, you are reading it right. And it begins in Genesis one twenty six when God said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion hmm. what does god do when uh, he sends dominion uh, to humanity over creation sure he limits his his power and he, and he never takes that back right and so now for the rest of the bible god god has to show covenant faithfulness and and that's the uh the key word hesed steadfast love one one of the favorite descriptors expressions of praise for israel as a hesed, steadfast love, it means covenant faithfulness. God's faithfulness to, to the covenant that he established, not with Israel, but, but with all humanity in Genesis 1.26, right? So now you got all these goofballs, you know, after, you know, just going crazy because they're stumbling around and they're bumping into each other and you got David and Bathsheba and you got you know, Moses striking the rock and you got Aaron and the golden calf. <laughs> you got all kinds of craziness going on and God doesn't pinch anybody's head off because he's limited himself to restoring all things through humanity. And he knows there's a lot of growing up that humanity has to do. So when he takes flesh as the person of Jesus, why does he become a man? And this, and this goes back to Daniel 7, you know, you know, you know, the son of man who's, who's given authority, right? He becomes a man because from the very beginning, he extended that authority to man. And he's not going to overstep his covenant commitments by fixing it for humanity. He enters into humanity as the person of Jesus to work the fix. Wow. Ah, that's really that's I've never seen that dynamic of Christ becoming human was it was in the bounds of the covenant that was originally set up. Yeah, yeah, and and so he and and then Jesus in the last in the Last Supper, you know, this is you know, he 
This is the new covenant I'm making with you and for all people, right? Renewing that covenant where we're restored to that dominion in covenant relationship with God, where we're listening and we're discerning and we're responding faithfully, right? Where we're not carrying out the king's orders, right? We're allowing God to fill to 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 to, to give us wisdom, right? And in dialogue to know what is best, and then and then to act accordingly. And it's a lot harder work. <laughs> it's a lot. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. Just that's my that's my prayer all the time. Yeah, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. <laughs> well, I want you to become the kind of man who will who will know what to do in any situation because you understand who I am and what I desire. Mm. Wow. Uh, that feels like work. Yeah. 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 Right. And so, and so that's, you know, that's our relationship with God, you know, but it's also our relationship with, uh, with one another. And so let's get to the text here. Um, you know, well, just a note before we jump into, I want us to focus on three and four. But you see the quotes there, right? It is good, in, in verse one, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good, quote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, end quote. King James Version, no quotes. Hmm. So you read that and you read, huh, Paul is saying it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's what the Bible says. Hmm. Is that what the Bible says? No, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, you know, sexuality is is honored, uh, you know, lots of places in the Bible. And so, you know, you know, I maybe think that's a command just to be obeyed. You're just to <laughs> obey that one. I'm just thinking. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, so that's a perfect example of of Paul in, in interacting with some philosophical foolishness that's crept into the church in Corinth and is bringing division. He says, no, 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 no. Each man should, each one, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. And then you get to verse three and four and you see covenant relationship on display. So someone read three and four. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body but the wife does. Wow. <laughs> now listen, and this is where I'm gonna this is where I'm going on Sunday. In in a Roman patriarchal culture, pater familias was uh, was a concept where where the fa where the father pater has absolute authority over the family. You know, every you know, Roman citizen in Corinth is nodding his head up and down. The uh, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, right? And those machismos, you know, absolutely right, woman, right? And then you get the likewise, <laughs> likewise. Yeah, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Wow. You know, how, how do you think that landed in, in, in a Roman culture? 
it's a powerful argument though on Paul's part that he affirms what he can affirm before he challenges what needs to be challenged. You know, like you said, he's got them all nodding with him for those first two sentences. Going, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then it's, you know, wait, what, what, what was the last thing you just said? As someone who is not married, what, what does this mean? Uh, having authority over each other's bodies. What is the what is the concept there? You said that that, that was a, a, a commonly understood thing for you know the men to have authority over right the household. Even even in that, like how am I supposed what am I supposed to do with this context today? You know, I'm about if I'm thinking about getting married and now I go, what is this speaking to the reality of my relationship with my future my future spouse? Okay. When you're ready to go. And your sweet sunshine says, not tonight, honey, I have a headache. <laughs> gotcha. She has authority over your body and she's telling you, shut it down. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Great. Okay. Great. All right. All right. That's good. I was hoping there would be a little bit more Greek to work through on that, but it's pretty plain. <laughs> pretty plain. Pretty plain. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, and yeah, and that, and, and and in our day, you know, I mean, there there's a lot of uh, kind of American patriarchy, you know, you know that I mean that's that's a presumption that that the that the me the Me Too movement rightly challenges, right? The you know the the objectification of the woman, which which robs her of any sense of personal agency. You know, just the presumption that that you're here to pleasure me. Violation of covenant relationship, right? Because you're stripping the woman of um, of, of of her voice, of, of her agency, right? So, so, so that requires a dramatic um, sensitivity. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's one of the powerful ways that a woman civilizes her husband, you know, all women marry knuckle dragon gorillas, because that's what we are until we get married. <clears throat> and then the woman begins to civilize us, you know, and, and help us to realize that we are, or we can be higher than our drives and desires. Or, well, as Paul, uh, you know, well, maybe, just my reading of this, this idea of also like, hey, you know, all, if you can, don't marry, right? Like, in, in a sense, if there are, if there's also a validity in living a single life in, in a God honoring way, you know, what it, you know, that there are other ways to become civilized outside of marriage. The marriage isn't the only way that you can achieve that, but it is a definite way that God will use. Is that right? Am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, because God wants to lift you out of your, you know, your desires as well, right? Right, right. You know, when you're in, when you're in covenant, you know, relationship with him. You know, as I, I, I was thinking about this, I was, I was thinking about how, you know, verse four there, you know, you know, speaks to our radical autonomy, you know, in, in our day, um, you know, that no one can tell me what to do. Mm. Right. And, and, you know, and that's the assertion of rights that we were talking about earlier. I've got a right to, 
as you know, as 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 long as I don't hurt anybody else, I have a right to do whatever I want. Well, not when you're in covenant relationship with those around you. You you have a prior obligation to heed their needs, right? When and what they desire, which means I gotta I gotta slow way down and I gotta you know listen deeply to those I'm in covenant relationship with. Right. And that's and that's a that's a learned skill. You know, that's that we don't come to that naturally. At least I, I I didn't come to it naturally at all. You know, right? And then you have verse five, which is a you know just a great expression of covenant relationship. Do not deprive one another. And note the language, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. Right? So you can devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again, right? Don't do that on your own. You have to be in conversation with your spouse because your spouse has needs and expectations in the relationship that you just can't arbitrarily disregard because you got this great idea mm, yeah that's good right yeah that's not learned for sure yeah. i mean i'm date. i'm even just in dating i'm i see that just like I'll, I'll i have a thought of of like okay like we're working on this one thing okay i, I got it i know exactly how we're going to do this and i and i just won't communicate that and i'll just start implementing it and she's like i'm really hurt like why are you doing these things what like oh this is because i have this great idea so, you know you got you got to talk to me about those things we got we got to discuss this i also have ideas right 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 but mine's really good this whole podcast <laughs> all right so that's you know and that's i think this that you know this idea of covenant which is thoroughly and deeply biblical. And I say it, and it's the, it's the Hebrew com, uh, contribution to culture, that there is a different way to be in community than hierarchy, top-down demand, or the organic um, aristocracy where you got the inner circle and club and they're the ones who are calling the shots. No, there's a whole other way of being in the world. It's, it's what do you think? Because your thoughts are important, your ideas are important, and so I'm I'm going to limit my. I mean, one I'm. I learned early one of the most dangerous things in the world, is my best idea. <laughs> because it's so easy to become yeah. enamored with it, and then it becomes a club to bring violence to all kinds of things, you know. Yeah, it's a great idea, but I don't think that's what the Lord would have. Oh, it's great! No, actually, I had a friend. I would, I was, kind of, I would come with ideas all the time. I'm just an idea factory. <laughs> and Kevin would say, "I don't like it." I said, "Why? It's great." He says, "Because it's yours." Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And he would check me. You know, go, "Oh yeah, okay, all right, all right." It's a whole different thing we've got, we've got going on here. Okay. I think, you know, I know we're in the context of marriage, but to me, that I just keep thinking about the, the functioning of a healthy elder board also, right? 
mm-hmm. where things are dialogued and discussed and there's agreement. There's not voting or lobbying or the power of politics, right? Which makes the way a church is governed and functions really different than the rest of the world. And I think most of us are sensitive to the, you know, the intrusion of like a corporate model or a political model, but that organic model is interesting. You say like, that's also a, a sub biblical model because I think I mean, in my experience, the church can be a little more susceptible to that. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's where you need wise, wise elders, wise, well-schooled elders, because that be, that can become an organic model where all the decisions are made in this inner core. And so the game is to get close to that inner core so you can get your voice heard, get, you know, get what you want. And so in our, our foundational documents, we say one of the primary tasks of the elders is to guard against centralizing authority. Mm. Because we recognize that's the tendency is for, uh, you know, for a central group inside a group to have all the you know uh, to have all the authority and to recognize that now jesus has the authority and so decisions need to be made outside of this of this core group this this core group should not be making most of the decisions at all you know and and allowing other um um well, you can call it circles of power or circles of authority to develop. And then you, then it becomes conversational, you know, which is what a healthy ministry, you know, that's how we have always organized ministries, right? Well, who, who's in charge of the ministry? Well, of the children's ministry. Well, the people who work in the children's ministry. Well, can, can they do anything they want? Well, mostly, <laughs> if they if they you know if if they kind of start stepping on other people's toes we got to negotiate we have to talk about it but nobody's going to tell the children's ministry what to do except them they'll they'll tell us what they need and then through conversation we'll see what we can do to help them right that's a covenant di- a dynamic i don't we don't tell anybody what to do they're, they they need to hear from the Lord in their in their dynamic. You know that you know that's why Matthew uh, our our house church thing is is very federal. You know, it's very covenantal in these in our house churches having their own sense of our integrity, their own identity. You know, there's no mothership telling Schaefer's crowd what to do or Ryan's crowd what to do. No. Yeah. You know, are you, what you, I mean, you guys want to be friends. You guys need anything? Let us know what we can do to help, you know, and yeah, God bless you. Be, you know. What, what sounds yeah. so appealing of, of, about that to me is it feels very empowering of and, and, and validating of the, of like every human being in that group where it's, it's, hey, your job like we we want to all be lifted up to god's image of us as as authority like having that dominion and 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 all of us being the agencies 
in which we are taking chaos and bringing order. And it's not just the easy way of, hey, tell me what to do and I'll go do it. It's like that, that keeps people stunted, that keeps people uh, powerless. And uh, I don't think that's God's, yeah, it sounds just like that's not what God's desire is for every, every single one of his children, right? Um, I, I think yeah. you just put your finger on Christian where, where Paul's going too, because verse seven, maybe I'm jumping in here, but he says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another, right? I mean, there, there it is. It's like the healthy functioning of the body is where each member is operating within its giftedness and has voice and space to to bring that to the group yeah and and so our task our discipleship task is to coach one another to make sure we know how to hear from the lord you know we uh our discerner is sharp and focused right so um i mean in in the hierarchical arrangement the the uh, the chaos manifests as rebellion right in in a in a gosh what you know what would be the chaos in our in 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 an organic um uh uh structure you know it's probably going to be something you know you know some some kind of passive aggressive you know oh, those guys have all you know i'm just not gonna if they say mm-hmm. you know that 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 kind of undermining of of authority but in but in a covenant relationship where Everybody has their gift. Everybody has their sense of calling. Everybody has their sense of what God wants to do. Everybody understands we need to talk it through with one another so, so that the Lord has opportunity to make the gears mesh. And as the gears mesh and everybody's, everybody's engaged because everybody's contributed and agreed and has, and has limited what they want, Right. And, and are obligated to contribute what they can, you know, for the sake of the, you know, the community, man, you not, now you got, you got real power cooking in the community. And all kinds of things can happen all at once. And Jesus gets glorified, you know, and, 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 and you can't point to one person or one group and say, look, Look what great guys they are. Look what they did. No, that's what they did. That's what, <laughs> no. There's, it's it's there. There are different locusts of authority throughout the community that have learned the 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 deep spiritual task of of discerning what the Lord would have and then sh- sharing with one another. Negotiate. This is our good friend Al's vision and passion that, you know, you walk into the, the whatever ministry it is and you say, who's in charge? And no one knows, right? <laughs> the Holy Spirit's in charge. The Lord's in charge, right? I couldn't point to the guy or the, you know, the, the gal that's running this thing. Oh, well, there'd be somebody in charge of the praise team. There'd be somebody in charge of the children's ministry. There'd be somebody in charge of hospitality. There'd be somebody in charge of whatever, you know, you know oh, go because you need somebody to that's why you know just you know hold all the balloons you know who's who's coordinating this well yeah there's you know there are leaders all over the place right right who are serving the lord and serving one another and you get that servant leadership deal right 
and and I think that's at the heart of that verse six. I mean, you 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 ran over verse six, Matthew, but now as a concession. Yeah, I do want to talk about that verse. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, this is where I picked up. I think on what Christian was saying earlier that Paul seems to be kind of weighing out and discerning how I want to say this. So as a, as a concession and not a command, right? And throughout Paul says, you know, this is my opinion, not of the Lord, or this is, this is of the Lord, but this part's of my opinion. So that's what just, I, I, on a slightly different angle, you know, how do, how do we read that? How do good Bible readers read that and not, I guess, diminish the authority of scripture, but recognize that Paul is somehow interacting with specific situations and maybe not issuing commands for all time or i i just need some help there is what i'm asking for you know there there is not a law that is written you know in any legislative body that does not require discernment in its in its application to you know to some, some kind of harm in the pursuit of justice just can't do it I mean, and it's the Supreme Court, even though we have a constitution, it's constantly being interpreted. Yeah, because, I mean, well, well, I mean, not, I mean, even in, you know, you can't drive on the right side, you know, dr drive on the right side of the road unless there's construction, and then you need to go on the left side of the road. You know, you have to go around the coins, cones on the left side of the road. You, you're not going to put that into the legislation. It's going to be mm -hmm. kind of broadly understood that the general principle is drive on the right side of the road so, so everybody doesn't get killed. But there's all kinds of situations where you don't drive on the right side of the road and you got to have the, the common sense just to recognize that so you don't kill somebody, kill yourself, right? So, you know, so the Bible, uh, you know, very, very similar. We, we want to uh, apply scripture you know, and as a, you know, as, as a rigid legalism and says, this must you do. I mean, well, so, I mean, speaking of that, when he talks about circumcision, right? Like that was a, that was a, as I understand it, a timeless command from God to the people of Israel. When he, like that was like that, like, he, you know, and now Paul's like, no, it's like, what? Like, I feel like if I was a Pharisee at that time, I'd be like, what do you mean, Paul? Look, I'll point to you where God said to do it forever. Like, what do you mean you don't have to do it anymore? So I, I think that like, yeah, I don't know. That, that to me was another where it's like, as Matthew was saying, okay, if I think that Paul's saying this, do I have the ability to do that now also with scripture? Or like, is that getting into really weird territory? It just, it gets really confusing. Uh, also, because I think when I like in the times of my life where I feel like I've tried or, or at least, you know, started thinking in that way, I've had people, you know, say, hey, and they throw the scripture out of like, don't go beyond what is written, you know, like that, that, that passage. And, and now I look back and I go like, but you, but you do that all the time. We all do that with scripture. There's a lot of things we don't take literally in the Bible. Like no one that I know of takes every single commandment in the Bible, literally. So let's do Unless you need a club to enforce a personal ideology. And what do you then, mean? Well, you, 
you know, that's you got to have a leverage to, to force somebody into oh. perspective. Right. Then right. we don't take it literally. I mean, then, then, then we do take it literally. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, so that's where the, it's, it's discernment. It's, 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 it's wisdom. It's, it's covenant. It's covenant faithfulness. What would the Lord have in these circumstances? It's like abortion. There's nothing in the Bible about abortion. Mm. Right. And yet, you know, it's, it's, it's a major issue for the church. Why? Mm. Well, because we can discern the sanctity of life in the scripture. And we recognize that the life of the unborn is every bit as much in every bit as, as sacred as anybody else's life, right? And, and it's a violation to presume upon that sacred entity in the womb, right? We can discern, we recognize that, right? And, and so there's, I mean, most things in life you know, are that way, which is why we need to be in, in in our discipleship, raising up careful Bible readers who understand that we're not giving people. Oh, my my brother Kevin, my brother, you know. Oftentimes, giving a Bible to somebody is like giving them a, a machine gun to a monkey, because you because you now have language that has the imprimatur that that has the stamp of god on it and you can become a crusader mm. well slow down slow down cowboy let's think this through so you know you know so you know so the circumcision as the covenant sign right that's why the, that's why circumcision was so critical it was the covenant sign for the nation of israel Jesus comes, dies for the sins of the world, okay, so that now the whole world can enter into covenant relationship. Now there needs to be a new covenant sign, right, that, that embraces not just the, uh, the nation of Israel, but now the whole world. No, so, so, so you could locate it in baptism, which is... I think appropriate, um, or you could locate it in in the in the in the experience of faith, which is valid. You know, marks you faith marks you as a member of covenant community because you're alive to the God's presence in the midst of life. Is later on in, is later on in Corinthians where he also talks about when he recounts the Lord's Supper, and is that yeah. also like that's also that's a sign the of, bread and the cup? I thought. Well, yeah, yeah, well, that's, you know, they're, I mean, they're all participate, you know, they're all, they're all markers of participation in, in the covenant. Yeah, so I could, yeah, you could consider those covenant signs, right? But, but Christian, you're paying it off of the unique circumcision as the covenant sign, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, just, just, just as I'm, I'm trying to imagine, like, the Old Testament readers, while Paul is, you know, if 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 you know, Pharisee got a hold of this text and just saw like Paul, Paul is going way off of Scripture here because, you know, here's where God clearly says that this is the sign of the covenant. You know, well, and Paul would, and what Paul does in Romans four, I think it's Romans four, he he goes back to 
Genesis 15, which is two chapters before the covenant sign of circumcision, where God enters into, in, into, this, into this dialogue with Abram, right? Where Abram's worried that God's not going to fulfill his promise to bring, you know, to bring a son. And that's when God brings him out. Look at the stars. So shall your descendants be. And you get that line that Paul quotes a couple times. And Abraham believed God and God reckoned it to him as righteousness, mm -hmm. right? As being kind of square to this relationship with this covenant that God had made, leave your kith and kin, go to the land that I will show you and you will be a blessing and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. Right. Mm. Right after that is where God cuts the covenant with Abram. He has him cut, cut the cut the animals in two, and and you know, and Abram and this fire pass between the animals, and in that ancient ritual, the animals were then bound back together, the binding, making a new reality. All that's before circumcision. Okay. And, 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 so, and so Paul, being biblical, right? He can say, hey, God was about covenant relationship long before circumcision came, came around. Circumcision has a secondary purpose. And now, now what's Paul doing? He's, he's discerning, right? Let's, let, let's not make a relatively minor thing the major deal, right? That's... Right. That's what Paul's doing here. And, 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 that's, and, and, and as we read scripture and learn to, and, and learn to hear the Lord in scripture, we, we've got to do the same thing. But what is God? What is, who, who is God? Who does he call us to be? Right? What does this covenant relationship in and through Christ uh, ask of us in this particular situation? And, and, and the shortcut is finding a proof text and hitting somebody over the head with it. And that's, uh, and, yeah. and that leaves people, um, that, that's hierarchical. That's yeah. what Caesar would do. Yeah. And it doesn't develop people who can, training for reigning, right? Who can someday reign with Christ because we have the discernment, the wisdom to do what the Lord would do. I'm thinking of that discernment too, you know, and the way Paul goes about it. It's in view of the scripture, right? He's, I mean, at this point, he'd be reading Torah. He'd have the, it's, it's in view of Christ and the cross in particular, but it's also within the community. It's within the young church, right? That Paul's saying as believers, we have, so it's both the vertical and the horizontal. I can just see the way we, you know, we err when we get too far one way, right? When one person thinks they're hearing from God, they're discerning this, but they're not checking it through the community, or we become so communal. I think that's when we begin to chase cultural relevancy and we drift away from, the, you know, the the promises and the commands of Scripture, right? So we we can kind of choose which axis we prefer. And operate there but we have to be drawn back i guess the other thing i'm thinking too is 
and 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 this one had necessarily been in it, well, maybe in a microcosm was issue for Paul, but like kind of a the call to to being ecumenical, where we're sensitive to and willing to listen to other traditions other than our own. I mean, just because we're such a fragmented church now with the denominations and non-denominations and all that, but right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a, we have a responsibility to to love the broader body of Christ and to which seems like we're in a very troubled moment for that. I mean, it seems like there's certain expressions of the faith right now that would boldly proclaim superiority over other. I mean, and, and maybe for good reason. I don't know. No, it, no, that's a it's a failure of discipleship, Matthew. It's a it's a failure of discipleship. Mm. Church, are you listening to me? Right, or, or are you racing ahead after your own agenda out of whatever fear or whatever you know so i'm i'm going to go low i'm going to listen deeply and give people the benefit of the doubt i'm going to grieve i'm going to be driven to my knees praying with jesus lord make us one as you are one because we are not smart enough surrendered enough to, to figure this out on our own you know recognizing that the Lord invites us into a new covenant, which is both vertical and horizontal relationship with God, relationship with one another, which means I got to learn how to go slow, go low, listen deeply, discern with my brothers and sisters. That's what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean grabbing Bible texts, throwing proof texts around, con contending for certain policy positions because you know, the Bible says that I believe it and that ends it, mm. right? That quenches the spirit in the community. What the Lord is calling us to, to be the body of Christ. And this is what Ephesians 4 is all about. When Paul is contending for the, you know, one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, make, make every effort to preserve the bonds of peace. I mean, you have this intense language that Paul expresses in order to, you know, to, to, to maintain that, that, that sense of solidarity, that that's the body of Christ. There's all kinds of particular things that Paul is dealing with in Corinth in the first century. And we need to understand that we're not dealing with most of those things in the 21st century we're dealing with a whole lot of different things, but it demands the same kind of covenantal posture. And, and I think that really pops out in verses 12 through 16. I mean, you have this really wild language. Uh, Christian, why, why don't you go ahead and read that 12 through 16. The rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. 
For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Okay. And, and real quickly, I just want to call like attention to this. This is another place because Jesus' command, right, about divorce was don't do it unless there is sexual morality. And so it's like Jesus is saying divorce is not good except for in this case. And now it seems like Paul's going, hey, divorce is not good except for now also in this case, right? Where, because like you said, this call to peace. This call to covenant. So, so you got that weird language, um, verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. What in the world does that mean? And, and my sense is that when the unbelieving spouse consents to live with the believing wife, he's consenting to, to, to enter into this covenant dynamic, this covenant relationship di dynamic with God, right? And in the family. And in that sense, that, that, that social unit is set apart from the chaos of the world because the believing spouse is anchored in this covenant practice, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I mean, that call is thoroughly in Ephesians 5, 21 is thoroughly covenantal, right? And, and if the unbelieving spouse says, I want no part of that, you're not bound, let him go. He, he prefers the chaos of whatever, personal control, domination, whatever it is, right? Doesn't want to be constrained by the compelling dynamics of spirit-filled covenant community. Mm. See, and Paul's hope there in verse 16, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Meaning that guy is going to experience, if he sticks around, he's going to experience a radically different way of being in the world. That, uh, than what he presumes to be true. And his lights just might come on mm. because of the influence of the spirit of God in those, in those relationships at home. Also the story of my family. This is how my dad got saved. Oh, really? A, a believing wife and an unbelieving husband. Wow. And he had a class A license because he was a truck driver and then somewhere in the church found that out. So they asked him to drive the church bus and we can... <laughs> You can imagine the rest of the story from there. <laughs> but, That's awesome. Yeah, for me, this has personal import, I think. Yeah, I'm, That's really cool. I'm the byproduct of this um, process of one believer influencing another believer within the context of marriage and, and family. And, and I would say, you know, under the persuasion of the Holy Spirit. To me, that last line of the chapter, you know, Paul says, and I think I too have the spirit of God. That, to, to me, that's the call here of the chapter, right? To, to tune in, to pay attention. Because it, as Kyle says, the, the nitty gritty of these circumstances may or may not apply to us. And probably doesn't in a lot of these contexts where you know, we're not really arguing over betrothal these days. But the, the key is living differently in the world as Christ 
lives in the world through us. Take my burden upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, and folks <laughs> say, Kyle, oh, you're so busy. You know, I, you know, I don't do much. <laughs> Why don't you do much? Because I'm not in charge of anything, man. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like there, there's a way of being in the world where you don't got to be driving stuff all the time to make things happen. You know, all the responsibility doesn't fall on you. <laughs> you know that that is praise god yeah it's a, it's yeah. a very american worldly way of being and you see it absolutely everywhere because i'm validated by how busy i am and by how many hours i work hmm. oh gosh i get god what do you do kyle all day well i just kind of hang out with the lord <laughs> <laughs> you know i get frustrated uh... i get scared you know, I get I get angry, but I go to the Lord, you know, and then somebody will call and say something or I'll get a text of a scripture verse and I'll say, oh, yeah, I forgot. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. You know, and that's that's what the Lord calls us to 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 these covenant relationships where where our righteousness. Is is in is said in the context of these this covenant obligation that the Lord lays on us that that we readily embrace and that we lay on one another and that we readily embrace because there's a new reality and that's where life is I'm I'm no longer living for myself I'm 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 a part of something that is much bigger than myself that I don't control, but man, mm -hmm. I, I'm a part of, and I, and I, and I contribute everything I have and everything I got to it. And the Lord does all kinds of cool stuff all the time around it. Right. And that's what he invites us to. Yeah. All right. Someone pray. I got it. Heavenly father, thank you for um, just another opportunity to, live and move and, and have our being and um, just thank you for your word and, and your text and Holy Spirit we ask uh, that you fill us that you feel your church um, that we may be able to discern what we should do in this uh, in this time that we have uh, while we are here um, may we uh, see your life Jesus as, as a servant as one who humbled himself, God, and, and may that be what we strive after, uh, just humility and and uh, being a servant of one another. Uh, thank you for my brothers here. Uh, just bless them this week, and uh, may, we, uh, may we glorify you in all the things we ask, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. Love you guys. You didn't pray for Kyle to do some more stuff this week, Christian. I thought you'd pray that he'd get going. You just kind of ignore it. Jesus, help Kyle see he's got work to do. Yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I love you guys. All right, guys. All right see you guys. All right, love you. Bye.